Welcome to episode seven of Can't Get Enough of Ya. I'm your host, Stacey Donahue, and you are listening to a podcast all about young adult books, movies, TV shows, and more. So normally, I end each episode telling you what is coming up next time. But this episode got switched up a bit because of a fabulous gift from my husband and a crazy fangirl. Yeah, that would be me. Let's start from the beginning. So for Christmas, my husband got me a subscription to Uppercase. So each month you get a young adult hardcover book signed by the author and some other goodies that relate to the book in your subscription package. I got my first one mid-January and I was super excited. I took a picture of everything that was sent to me in my first package and I posted it on the Can't Get Enough of Ya Instagram page. I tagged Uppercase in the post and the author of the book that I had received. Uppercase liked the post and the author commented on my post. Now let's talk about me, the fangirl who was so beyond excited that the author took the time to comment on my picture. I was flying high. So I reached out to her again, and she agreed to let me interview her and talk about this fabulous book she wrote. That would be A Conspiracy of Stars by Olivia A. Cole. I cannot tell you how much I love this book. The characters, the story, the animals, just everything. And my favorite quote from the book is from Dr. Espada. Quote, unquote, rather than seeking to dominate, we should seek to understand, end quote. A true statement for this book and really for life in general. So enough of me going on and on about this book and how much I loved it. Let's get to my interview with the author. Author Olivia A. Cole has graciously joined us today. She is an author, blogger, and poet, a true triple threat if I've ever heard of one. She has won a semifinalist in the 2014 Gwendolyn Brooks Open Mic Awards. She's published three novels, Panther in the Hive, which came out in 2014, The Rooster's Garden in 2016, and now her most recent book, A Conspiracy of Stars. So thank you, Olivia, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So let's get to it. Let's talk about your young adult science fiction book, A Conspiracy of Stars. Can you tell us what the book is about? Yeah, um, I'm really bad at this, so this is good practice. Um, I'm terrible at summarizing. Um, even when I was writing the synopsis for it, I struggled with it. Um, it's about uh, another planet where um, Earthlings, former Earthlings, have kind of gone uh, and are, to for lack of a better word, colonizing the planet. Um, it takes place in a science research compound, and it follows a young woman named Octavia, who is uh, desperate to become a what she calls a white coat, a scientist in this community. But she realizes the kind of more she um, grows up, the the more she realizes that she may not be exactly what she wants to be because there's a lot of dark secrets happening, um, you know, in the the background of her life. So she's her she's becoming aware of them and kind of deciding who she wants to be. Yeah, I can't tell you how much that I love this book, and I'm not Yay. really a science fiction reader either so I was no I'm not so I was a little skeptical but then when I read like the synopsis and the stuff about the animals and everything like it just like pulled me in I was like I think I'm gonna like this regardless that it's science fiction I think I'm you know just gonna go for it and I absolutely loved it thank you that makes my day and especially (laughs) when I love when people mention the animals because the animals are kind of one of my favorite parts I'm a big animal freak so uh, you know anybody who reads my books there's like a zoo and panther in the hive she's got a dog and rooster's garden like I I always try to find a way to get animals in there so I'm glad you enjoyed it yay 
And I saw online, too, that someone said that they thought it was kind of a cross between Animal Planet and the Sci-Fi Channel. And I was like, what a <laughs> yeah. great way to, like, capsulize that. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you write the copy for my next book? Because I, I struggle to talk about what it reminds you, what it should remind you of. So that is, um, yeah, that was perfect. Um, can we talk about the cover for a minute, which I think is gorgeous? Yeah. Um, it looks kind of like a flower or maybe the ogwe leaf. Yeah, no. So it's funny. Um, I fought with my publisher about this cover a lot um, because I, I don't know, it was my first traditionally published book. And I, you know, with like a big publisher and I hush bub. See, I told you he's nosy. Um, and uh, and I, I didn't know what I wanted, but I just didn't know what to expect. And so when I saw it, I was like, ah, oh, you know, flowers, I kind of thought that they were. So originally they looked more like pretty. They're more like pretty flowers. And I was like, okay, you know, this book is about natural life and yeah, there's plants, there's Ogwe, there's like, you know, all these different flora and fauna. Um, so I was like, but if, but it's all creepy. So, you know, at least with the the themes of the book. So I was like, if we're going to have flowers on the cover, then it needs to be like alien looking, you know, and like kind of interstellar. So they eventually, um, you know, listened to me there and kind of switched up the design a little bit. And I, I really like how it turned out. So I'm glad that you like it too. Yeah. I thought it was gorgeous. I was able to get kind of like a behind the scenes because of the uppercase that I got. So I sort of know where you got the idea for the book, but can you share with my listeners where you got the idea for your novel? Yeah. Yeah. I love telling the story. Um, I, uh, there's, you know, there's a couple different, you know, versions. I I forget what I, um, shared with uppercase, you know, like which version or maybe both, but, um, partially just inspired by Janelle Monet because I was invited to a listening party of hers and I am in love with her. I love her. Um, so going and hearing her was super inspirational and she's very futuristic in her themes and, um, she's got whole worlds in her albums, which are just amazing. Um, but then also I was, uh, on a mega bus to see my friend Hope and I was overhearing a woman having a conversation on the phone about her daughter, um, and how she was worried about her and, you know, like, well, she really loves science, but, um, you know, I'm, I, she has so many, she's so empathetic, like she has feelings, uh, and, you know, she couldn't dissect the, whatever it was, the possum at school, whatever they give them. And she, uh, was worried about her daughter having too many feelings, um, to be in biology. And I was like, you know, why should science and feelings be, um, opposites? Why do these things seem like they're exclusive to each other? And I disagree with that. So really, um, at its core, you asked me what Conspiracy of Stars is about. It's really about empathy um, in science. And Octavia is very empathetic. And uh, one might say to the extreme, but um, and then it you know plays out in a different way. But uh, but yeah, that that was where the idea came from. I was like, you know, women are um, are struggle struggle to be seen, you know, in so many industries, um, but especially science and you know STEM careers. And Octavia def- desperately wants to be a scientist. Um, and these are some of the challenges that uh, girls in science face. You know, like oh, you're too, you have too many feelings. You know, as if science somehow is exempt from feelings. <laughs> so um, that's that's kind of that. Does that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Um, I love that you've given a voice to the strong young black women like Octavia, Alma, Yaya, and even her mother, Samira. Um, I think it's essential that we have more diverse characters in our books. And I've actually noticed that my reading has become more diverse just because of the books that are out there that have become like really popular, like The Hate You Give, um, When Dimple Met Rishi, um, uh, Nicola Yoon's Everything, Everything, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just broadened my whole reading horizon. So I was yeah. just kind of wondering, what are you hoping to contribute to the reading community as a African-American author? 
Oh, so let me check you there. Okay. I'm not an African-American author. Okay. Um, I'm a white author. I'm white. Um, and I, I, it's okay. I, that actually happens a lot. Sorry <laughs> but, about that. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of the, is part of the confusion is that, you know, uh, you know, I'm writing about, you know, black and brown characters. Um, I kind of always have, um, you know, I, there's various reasons for that. Um, I, I write for my friends and I write for my family and my community. And that is, you know, mostly made up of um, black and brown folks. Um, and, you know, I have a, a black daughter, um, so I'm always writing for her. But, uh, you know, it's it's I'm kind of always trying to toe the line of not taking up too much space as a white author writing from these perspectives, because it is um, a space that needs to be first and foremost occupied by black and brown creators. So um, I'm always trying to kind of uplift and amplify those voices. Um, there's so many books coming out, the ones that you named, you know, uh, Tiffany Jackson, uh, Danielle Clayton, Justina Ireland. There's so many good books coming out this year um, by marginalized authors. So I'm always trying to amplify those, especially um, for me as a white author writing uh, from perspectives of characters of color. I'm always kind of uh, trying to be uh, cognizant of writing. I, for one thing, I only will write um, without, with you know, with special consideration, you know, uh, characters of color in the future. If I'm writing about present time and reality, I think my responsibility is to write from white characters' perspective, which I do. Um, and I'm working on contemporary, two contemporary projects right now, actually, that are um, from white characters' perspectives that are in this reality. But in the future, I just feel that there's been so many white protagonists um, that I don't, that, you know, we don't need help picturing white girls in the future uh, and in you know, dystopian realities and fantastical realities. So I feel that, um, you know, I, I want to have black girls in space, uh, brown girls in space, because, you know, they, they need to see themselves there. Um, but always, I always recommend read, read authors, uh, of color first. And it sounds like you, you are reading some good ones. So, uh, just keep it up with this year. There's a lot of really good ones coming out. Yeah. I'm very excited. Thank you. Yes, mm -hmm. I would definitely will. Um, so I know you love animals because yeah. your dog, Oscar, I am an animal <laughs> lover as well. <laughs> so the animals you created were just so spectacular and the different compounds like the mammalian compound. And then you gave it nicknames like the paw or the avian compound, which was the beak. How did you come up with like any of that? Did, you know, the just the animals, yeah. the names for them. Like, I mean, it's like a whole world. Yeah, that's a, a good question. Um, you know, I really tried to stay away from in, as far as like naming animals. I tried to stay away from um, like I think a lot of times science fiction will rely on like Latinate names, um, you know, when naming characters are, you know, uh, well, animals or creatures or plants. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of like Latin references. And I tried to stay away from that because, um, you know, that's not the only language <laughs> that matters. That's not the only place where uh, language is rooted. Um, so I, I really just try to focus on what sounded beautiful to me. Um, and some of it involved research, some of it, most of it, as far as like envisioning what the characters um, are character. I keep calling the animals characters because in my head they are. <laughs> <laughs> but um, most of the animals are, you know, I was thinking about like, you know, things, means of survival. The whole book is about surviving, right? You know, humans are on this planet that is not made for them. And, um, you know, these animals are because they have this kind of distant relationship with the indigenous people, the planet, um, the humans, that they really have no choice but to learn from the animals. So they're like, you know, how is this creature surviving? How is this one surviving? And so I just, you know, in imagining what they looked like and how they moved, um, you know, the, the migno, you know, that has the huge ears that radiate sun. You know, a lot of that is taken from or is take radiate heat. Um, a lot of that is taken from Earth 
animals because, you know, they had to survive here too. So um, the same way that, you know, we would learn from an animal here, I try to kind of put it in that framework for another planet, but um, always with survival at the, at the seed, as I started thinking about, you know, what this animal would look like or how it would move, um, thinking about survival, how is it surviving there? And then what can we learn from it? Kind of survival of the fittest. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, Alma, she was a great character as Octavia's best friend. Um, I loved her learning about like or wanting to stay connected to the past. Um, And I thought that that was great that you brought that in there and that she, you know, talked about the origin planet, which I assumed was Earth, although you did not say that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why do you think remembering the past is so important? Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't move forward you know, and, and avoid the mistakes you've made in the past if you don't know what those mistakes were. And I think that's Alma's, you know, she's not necessarily thinking about it in terms of mistakes, at least not in this book yet. Um, but she's thinking about, she's obsessed with learning and obsessed with knowing everything she can. And she, you know, understands the value of, you know, if you know what's in the past, you can know what you don't know in the future. And I think that's really key for everyone. Um, you know, if you don't think about your past mistakes, how are you going to fix, you know, your future? How are you going to avoid repeating those mistakes? And that's something, especially, you know, I think America is really bad at is, you know, how, what are the mistakes that we have made? And we, um, as a country, especially, you know, as a, a white country, um, it's not a white country, but often, you know, envisioned it that way, um, by white supremacists. Um, but, you know, is not acknowledging the mistakes that have been made, not acknowledging the ways that we could do better, um, and instead looking at the past as something to be revered, uh, you know, unfortunately quoting Trump's, you know, uh, slogan, you know, make America great again, as if it was ever so, so great, you know, and not, not looking at the past as something that we should grow and learn from, but something, um, to be returned to. And, you know, that's leaving a whole lot of folks out. So, um, you know, yeah, Alma, she, she, she's, maturing in her understanding of why the past is important to her. I think it's kind of just like a, a thorn in her brain. You know, she just, it always comes back to her, something about it just calls to her um, because she's a researcher, you know? Um, so you'll see more of that in book two. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of book two, cause I know this is a duology. When can we expect book two? Yeah, it will be out. So we're, it will, we would originally said January, it will either be January early. It's early next year. It will be early next year. So either between January and March, um, we, we're, trying to decide on this final date. Um, I can't tell you the title yet, but it's good. And I love this book so much better than the first one. I really enjoyed the first one, but I feel like I really stretched my legs in the second one. And um, a lot of amazing, exciting stuff is happening. Um, And it is not a duology. I just, I was like, there's something else I wanted to say. Um, Originally, we had kind of envisioned it as a duology, but now it's expanded into a trilogy. Oh, nice. Okay. So that's even more exciting. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Triple exciting. Um, and I saw in the acknowledgments that at the end of your book that you gave um, like a thank you to Octavia Butler. Can you explain why she's so important to you? Oh, Octavia. She, first off, she should be important to everyone writing in this genre um, and in every genre. I mean, she's just an incredible writer and storyteller and envisioner of truth. Um, she's the mother of science fiction as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the way that she, I, the first thing I read by her was Dawn and it literally just changed my life, you know, thinking about the way that she tells stories and the, the way that she world builds. I think she's the best world builder there ever was. Um, she, her knowledge of culture and language and gender and race, 
um, and sexuality just is so sharp and it shows up in every, every facet of her storytelling. And that's the way stories should be, you know, um, that's especially, you know, when you're world building, uh, when you're creating a world that isn't earth, um, or even if, you know, it's a reality on earth that isn't our present one, uh, you have to consider everything. And she does. And I just, it's amazing to me that one brain can hold all that information and still tell an amazing story. I just think she's an incredible scholar and human. I say is that she's still living. I wish she was. Um, she was taken far too soon. Um, I recommend her highly. I actually, I teach, I'm on the creative writing faculty at the governor's school for the arts of Kentucky. And, um, and only one of my kids out of 30 last summer had heard of her. And that's just a tragedy and a travesty. So I, um, I try to get her on every curriculum that I'm involved with. Um, I think that she, I think she's starting to get recognized. Um, you know, they're making a, a series for Dawn. Uh, Ava DuVernay is making it. Um, and that's one of my only reasons for living right now. Is for when <laughs> <laughs> now I have a non-book question for you. Your Instagram name, Ranting Owl. Where did we come up it, with that? <laughs> it's actually my Twitter name that transferred into, turned into my Instagram name. Okay. Uh, Ranting Owl. I, it was my very first blog that I wrote was um under the name ranting owl when i was trying to you know have a pseudonym uh it's not even a pseudonym i don't know what that is it's just i don't know my dad always called me owlet growing up um i don't know where that really came from i don't really have particularly big eyes or anything but um i think it's just i like to read a lot and that was considered owly i guess and then the the older i got i got very ranty um and i still am just about you know i mean you've kind of seen a little bit of that already in this conversation um just you know social issues and politics and um you know even just little things like overcooking my turkey bacon i rant a lot <laughs> you know i just I, I don't know um so ranting owl kind of was born and now and then it's been on my name on twitter since 2011 whenever 10 whenever i got on twitter and, um, and you just kind of stuck. So it's too late to change now. So this is who I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I wanted to end with, um, just some like five fun facts, just some quick yeah. questions. Um, sure. what was the last young adult novel that you read? Oh, I actually just read, I kind of went back in time. So I've read a bunch of things that are coming out this year, including some stuff that's not out yet. Um, but what I, the one that just, you said most recent, right, mm -hmm. um, is The Lie Tree um, by Frances, what's her name? I don't, I, she's new to me, so I, I, I don't know her last name. I, I think she's pretty, she won an award uh, for this book, The Lie Tree. Okay. I think she's a British author. Um, but it's, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's not my typical thing that I would read, um, but it was a really engaging book. So The Lie Tree. Isn't it great when you find something that not necessarily you would think to read and then you read it and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I should have gone there. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you. <laughs> um, when you write, are you more of a planner or do you kind of see where your characters are going to take you? I used to be somebody who just kind of like started writing and saw where it took me. But now I'm a pretty big planner. Um, I'm a pretty big planner. I found lately that if I don't know where I'm going to end up, then I don't know. Like once I know where I'm going to end up, I can take any means to get there. So um, I may not plan the whole book chapter by chapter, but I need to know where I want to be at the end. Um, so I know the beginning, I know the end, and I try to figure out the middle. Okay, very good. Um, to varying you, degrees of success. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any like essential snacks or drinks or anything that you have to have while you're writing? Oh, while I'm writing, 
everything. I'm really, I'm a big snacker, especially, you know, I've been, was pregnant for nine months and now I'm three months postpartum, almost four months. And so I'm still, you know, I'm breastfeeding. So I'm just like eating everything. So answer is everything. (laughs) (laughs) Do you listen to any other music to like be an inspiration while you're writing? Yes. I, um, I love Solange. Knowles. Um, her song "Losing You" is probably my most played song in iTunes. Um, I even now, like that album came out years ago. It's on her album "True." Um, I listen to her constantly, um, and also uh, "Blood Orange." I really like "Blood Orange" when I'm writing. Um, it's kind of I wouldn't call it ambient. It's very um, I don't even know how to describe "Blood Orange," but. Uh, there's a song called It Is What It Is by Blood Orange that I just adore. And I listen to that a lot, too, when I'm writing. OK, <laughs> what do you hope your readers take away from this book? I her courage and hope. I, I try to write about brave women um, because there are so many brave women and girls that, you know, don't really get enough of that, um, you know, representation. I think that's changing big time. But um, I, I, I really just want them to read my books and be like, hey, I can be brave because um, that's. That's how I want my that's how I want my daughter to feel. You know, I, I want girls to be brave and feel brave and take risks. And, um, and that's, I guess I, that's part of it, too. Take risks. That's great. I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And I wish you much success on A Conspiracy so of Stars. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. It was such an honor being able to speak to Olivia A. Cole and interview her. I hope to be able to do a few more of those interviews in the future with other authors. Right now, A Conspiracy of Stars is available in stores, and I highly suggest you go get yourself a copy. So the second book I'll be talking about today is the latest from John Green, Turtles All the Way Down. I believe this is John Green's fifth novel. Each one is a standalone. I'm sure you've heard of him before because he wrote The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns, both of which have been made into movies. And I saw an article that Turtles All the Way Down will also be made into a movie in the near future. So this is the story about Aza Holmes and her best friend Daisy as they team up to find the missing fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett so they can get the $100,000 reward. This is really all Daisy's idea because she remembers that Aza used to be friends with Russell's son, Davis, like a long time ago, and they don't really talk now, but that does not stop Daisy into launching a plan to find Russell and get the reward. Now, Aza and Daisy meet on the regular at Applebee's and they always make sure they have a coupon. This time, they're trying to figure out where to look for Russell and where he might have gone. Daisy is convinced that Davis must know where his dad is or where he might have gone, and she kind of pushes Aza into connecting with Davis again. Now, Aza is not your typical teen girl. She is obsessive-compulsive, kind of a hypochondriac, she has anxiety, and she is a germaphobe. So anything out of her comfort zone makes her a bit mad in the head. She tries to keep it under control, but the thoughts overwhelm her. And honestly, they were overwhelming to me at times. I really felt bad for her and wanted to scream, stop! But I know for someone experiencing this, it's not that simple or easy. But where she is obsessed with the germs and the flu is so prevalent this year, it was making me super conscious of germs and hand sanitizer. I am sure she is written this way on purpose, so kudos to John Green for creating another damaged teen trying to just live like a normal teen girl. Now, Davis is very open about the fact that he has no idea where his billionaire father is, and really, he does not miss him that much. He's more concerned about his younger brother, Noah, and how he is handling his father being gone. 
and he is open about the fact that his father has set it up that his estate will go to his pet, Tuatara, basically a lizard. So there is no real love loss between Davis and his father. Davis is also aware that the only reason Aza is around is to find out clues about his dad, but he would rather give them the reward than have them snooping around. He needs a friend, someone he can trust, and if Aza is in it just for the money, he would rather know that now. So Davis gives the girls the money and they split it, but Russell is still missing. Aza is still having compulsive thoughts, and now her friendship with Davis may be over, and Aza does not want that. So I won't tell you if they find Russell Prickett or not, but the story is really about trust, trusting yourself, your friends, and even finding a way of trusting your thoughts. It was an overall good book. I will not tell you where the title comes from. It is in the book, so you have to read it to find out. I have to say, I always love the movie adaptations more than the books. I'm not really sure why that is, but of the two books I have read, I have really liked the books, but I've thoroughly enjoyed the movies. So I am very much looking forward to this book being turned into a movie and seeing who gets to play these wonderful characters. Also, if you need help with a mental illness or you know someone who needs help, please call the SAMHSA Treatment Helpline at 1-877-SAMHSA-7. Now I will tell you about the story of Shelby, my stuffed turtle. We got her one year while we were on vacation. We were staying on Singer Island and my husband wanted to go kayaking and I had never been. So I agreed to go and while we were out in the ocean, we saw this huge sea turtle swimming around in its natural habitat and it was the coolest thing I have ever seen. It's not the same as going to an aquarium and seeing them, but to be out in the wild and just happen to come across one is so cool. So we bought the sea turtle stuffed animal that was in our hotel room to remember the experience. So that is my turtles all the way down story. And now for entertainment news. I wish I had more to talk about this time, but there really is not much happening right now as far as young adult entertainment. Unless, of course, you were watching the Olympics and you saw Red Gerard kill it in the men's slope style snowboard to win the gold medal. A couple of things that are coming up next month. Life Sentence is going to be airing on March 7th on CW. This is the new series starring Lucy Hale. She has been a terminally ill cancer patient and then her cancer goes into remission. Now she has to figure out how to just live instead of living like you are dying. I love Lucy Hale as an actress, so I'm super excited to see this new series that she's in. At the end of March, the 29th to be exact, Freeform will also be launching a new series called Siren, also on my radar, but still a bit of a wait. The thing that I think I'm looking forward to most is the movie Love, Simon, starring Nick Robinson. He was in Everything, Everything and Jurassic World. This movie is the adaptation of the book by Becky Albertalli, Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda. The trailer looks great and it will be hitting theaters on March 16th, so we don't have to wait too much longer for that one. And I will definitely be doing a book and a movie review for this one once it comes out. And now it's time for Stacy's Steals and Deals. So everyone loves a steal or a deal, or at least I do. And when it happens to be books, it makes it even sweeter. So let's see what steals and deals are happening in Kindle Books. So the first book on sale is by Octavia E. Butler, the same author that I spoke with Olivia about, 
and the one that she is so passionate about. Coincidence? I think not. So, Fledgling by Octavia E. Butler is on sale for $1.99. This is the story of a young girl with amnesia whose alarming unhuman needs and abilities lead her to a startling conclusion. She is a genetically modified 53-year-old vampire. Forced to discover what she can about her stolen former life, she must at the same time learn who wanted, and still wants, to destroy her and those she cares for, and how she can save herself. This is a captivating novel that tests the limits of quote-unquote otherness and questions what it means to be truly human. That is Fledgling by Octavia E. Butler, and it's on sale for $1.99. Also on sale this week is The Things I Should Have Known by Claire Lazebnik. It's only $2.99. This story is about Chloe Mitchell and her older sister, Ivy, who's on the autism spectrum. Chloe thinks she could use a boyfriend, and she's already has someone in mind, Ethan Fields, a sweet, movie-obsessed boy from Ivy's special needs class. Chloe would like to ignore Ethan's brother, David, but she can't. Ivy and Ethan aren't comfortable going out on their own, so Chloe and David have to tag along. Soon, Chloe, Ivy, David, and Ethan form a quirky and wholly lovable circle, and as the group bonds over frozen yogurt dates and movie nights, Chloe is forced to confront her own romantic choices and the realization that it's okay to be a different kind of normal. Daughter of the Pirate King by Trisha Levenseller is just $2.99. Sent on a mission to retrieve an ancient hidden map, the key to a legendary treasure trove, 17-year-old pirate captain Alosa deliberately allows herself to be captured by her enemies, giving her the perfect opportunity to search their ship. More than a match for the ruthless pirate crew, Alosa has only one thing standing between her and the map, her captor, the unexpectedly clever and unfairly attractive first mate Raiden. But not to worry, for Alosa has a few tricks up her sleeve and no lone pirate can stop the daughter of the pirate king. Noteworthy by Riley Redgate is only $2.99. It's the start of Jordan Sun's junior year at the Kensington Blaine Boarding School for the Performing Arts. Unfortunately, she's an alto too, which in the musical theater world is sort of like being a vulture in the wild. She has a spot in the ecosystem, but nobody's falling over themselves to express their appreciation. So it's no surprise when she gets shut out of the fall musical for the third year straight. But then the school gets a mass email. A spot has opened up in the sharpshooters, Kensington's elite acapella octet. Worshipped, revered, all male. Desperate to prove herself, Jordan auditions in her most convincing drag, and it turns out that Jordan's son, tenor one, is exactly what the sharps are looking for. As always, if I see a good steal or deal throughout the month, I will post it on the Can't Get Enough of Ya Facebook and Instagram page so you can get in on the savings too. If you liked anything I mentioned today, don't wait, because steals and deals change all the time, and I wouldn't want you to miss out. So for next time, I am still going to be reading, or should I say I'm actually in the middle of reading, Stalking Jack the Ripper by Carrie Maniscalco. I told you before I was amped to read this one, and it has not disappointed me yet. For a debut novel, it is captivating and thrilling. I can't wait to see where this story is going to end up. It truly is a Victorian CSI story that keeps you guessing at every turn. I am loving it so far. The other book I am still debating on, partly because I want to see what I get in my uppercase this month, and I need to check some scheduling things, so I don't want to commit to another book just yet. So I will leave you in total suspense as to the other book review. 
But if you are following me on Instagram at Can't Get Enough of Ya, I'm sure you will find out before the next episode comes out. I will have a link in the podcast notes to the Can't Get Enough of Ya Facebook page where you can find all the books, movies, and TV shows talked about in this podcast. If you ever want to reach out to me directly, you can always email me at can'tgetenoughofya at gmail.com. I would love to know what you are reading or excited to read, so drop me a line. Also, if you could take a moment to rate or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, that would be super appreciated. Then other young adult enthusiasts can find and enjoy this podcast too. Until next time, I hope you feel the same. I can't get enough of ya.